uh, for the teachers, Lord. And uh, upon us, you'll be hearing your word in this room also, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit be manifest upon us, your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we'll be hearing the word uh, through our future pastor, John Jr. here. <laughs> Amen. Let's celebrate his life. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. I just wanted to volunteer next week um, during service to uh, watch over the food over there and make sure that the quality control is up to, up to par. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll wait. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for asking me to share. I am happy to do this. Um, God gave me a word, um, and, it's, and it's concerning family. We're on the, the topic of family. And um, for those of you who take notes, I just want to really encourage people to take notes. Um, it's surprising when I don't take notes how few points I can actually remember. And even when I go back, I'll go back sometimes on Tuesdays, which is only a couple days from now, and look at my notes, and I didn't, would not remember those points that I wrote down. Um, I'm even such a good husband that last week, I took notes from my wife, but, but only on the parts where it said, you know, honor your husband and obey him, those kinds of things. I left everything else out. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, it's okay to have fun in church. Um, the, uh, the title to uh, my message is, Offense Builds Offense. So it's, Offense Builds A Fence. And um, that kind of goes with my joke, so if anybody was offended, then please pay attention. Um, So I'm just going to share what God's shared with me on this. Um, I've just heard so many families, uh, sorry, stories of families, and and even from some family members who came from different families of of people like, man, I I always hated Thanksgiving, or I always hated Christmas, because my family got together, and every single year they, they called the cops. And I'm just like, well, that's terrible. That's not the way my family is. Um, I just wanted to say, for first of all, that my family is amazing. We have a big family. We all get together. There's no drama. Everybody has fun. Um, and then I married into an amazing family, and their family, everybody has a great time. There's no drama. We all have fun. And then on, like, birthdays and things like that, both of our families get together. And there's a huge time, and everybody's having a great time, and everybody loves it and looks forward to it. And so I am truly, truly blessed. Um, but I really think that and actually prayed for that ahead of time before I even met my now wife um, because of all the things I've seen in families where people are getting in fights and people are bringing up things that happened 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago um, and fighting over them and ruining the time for everybody else. And so we are a family here. Um, Pastor spoke a lot about family. We are truly a family here. Um, I feel like I'm very much a family um, especially when I go to other people's homes here, and when I talk with people, I feel so free to share with many, many people here, just like it would be with my own family. Um, so this is truly coming from the, the depths of my heart. Um, but God brought this up because he, th- that is what tears families apart. Um, I believe offense is one of the biggest reasons, if not, I would say maybe the only reason that families are torn apart. Um, wh- and what I mean by that is people make actions or make mistakes, and then people get offended to those mistakes, and then they get torn apart. Now, I'm not saying that's all illegitimate. I'm not saying that's, you know, not all um, warranted and things like that, but when we hold offense against things that that, that affects us, and it tears down families, Um, forgiveness is what we need to be doing. Um, A family that's strong, a family that stays together, um, couples that stay together are really good forgivers. (laughs) 
<laughs> Anybody that's married can say amen to that because if you're still married and you've been married more than a couple of weeks, you're probably a really good forgiver. <laughs> um, so I know that um, my wife is a very good forgiver. Um, I tease her. I'm saying, well, I don't know why you have to be, but um, in, in reality, you both have to be really good forgivers, um, especially in marriage. Um, we have to choose not to pick up the offense when somebody does something. That doesn't mean we don't talk to them and go, you know, hey, this is what happened, or don't discuss things, but picking up an offense is something different than um, a situation that needs to be worked out. Um, what does God say about offense? That's, that's why we're here, right? Not to hear what I have to say about offense, but what does God really speak about this? I have a bunch of scripture verses, so um, again, if you're taking notes, I have them for you. I'm sorry I don't have a um, PowerPoint prepared this morning. But I do have all these scriptures. If you miss anything, you can meet up with me after service, and I will gladly share those with you. Um, this, this actually, when I, when I looked into this, this subject is such a big topic in the Bible. I had to really, really pick and choose what parts God wanted me to touch on because it is so broad and so overcast. I mean, it's, it's in every book. It's in, in every, almost every story. Um, there's a fence brought up. So really, I really had to narrow down on what God wanted me to do because— um, so if I don't touch on a topic that you guys know about, that's, that's great. But I really had to focus and narrow it down because it is such a broad, broad um, subject. So uh, Proverbs 10, 12. Proverbs, and I'm reading from the NIV today. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love carves all wrongs. So this, this really also has to do with the love of God. Um, so when you talk about um, forgiving offense and not building offense up, um, it, it also really has to do with love, and, and I will show you that here. Um, let's look at Proverbs seventeen nine. He who covers an offense promotes love, but he who whoever repeats a matter separates close friends, and that's why the Bible has such specific instructions on what to do when you are offended. And it has to do mostly with going to that person, not around a bunch of people. Um, there are situations um, that you're supposed to go to that person first, and if, and if it goes beyond that, then you are supposed to go to a, your leader or who your pastor, whoever it is, and speak with them. It, there's never in the Bible where it says to go talk to five or six people about what's going on. <laughs> it doesn't say that. There is a point where you can bring it in front of the church for sure, and that is definitely what God has laid out for us, but... Um, that is not the, the steps for you to take. That is after you bring it to your pastors and to the leaders and, and things like that. So, But the main time, I think almost all offenses will get um, taken care of if you just go to that person. Um, let's look at Proverbs 19.11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. So, not looking, overlooking an offense is, basically means that you're um, not to the level of wisdom that you, maybe you think you are, if you can't overlook certain offenses. Uh, now I want to go to Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Oh, excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me. Now, Peter's one of Jesus' disciples, and he's coming up to him um, with the mindset of that day, 
when, you know, there was no TV, no media, and your word was everything. Um, they didn't have computer chips. They didn't have credit scores, those kinds of things. So really your word was everything. Your, your, your sign or your signature was everything. And he wanted to come up to Jesus and be the big man. Uh, Peter was, uh, you can see, he's very zealous. He's a very, very uh, amazing disciple of Jesus that we've learned a lot from. Um, and he comes up to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he's going to think of a big number. Up to seven times? Which seems silly to us because we, we are in the age of grace and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Um, but back then, when that's all you had, this was a different thing for him. So he comes up to Jesus up to seven times, like, this huge number. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, seven times? Even, even seven times? And uh, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I know there's a math figure for that, but that's not what Jesus is really talking about. <laughs> um, what he's talking about is, is you're not supposed to be adding it up. You're not supposed to add it up at all. Um, I would hate to add up how many times Jesus had to forgive me even this year. <laughs> um, and, and I do try my best to live my life here and at work and at home and in between and everywhere. Um, and yet, I still would hate to—I don't want to add that up. <laughs> I don't want to add up— how many times I should forgive somebody else versus how many times God's had to forgive me because the, the numbers would not, I don't want to do that math equation either. Um, so he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with a servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And I don't remember what the figures on this, but there's something, I didn't have a chance to look those up, but it's something like, he owed this guy a million dollars, okay? He owed him a million dollars, he couldn't pay. So I'm going to take all you have, I'm going to sell everything you have, I'm going to take your children, I'm going to sell them off as slaves, until you can pay. And that's just, and you're going to stay in debt, in, in jail, and you're going to work for very little wage, and you'll never be able to pay this debt. And that's just the way it is. Oh, and by the way, your children, they're going to be slaves forever, because they're going to be sold, and their children will be slaves. You, basically your name, your last name, as far as having a household, is wiped off the face of the earth. Your children, your children's children's children will always be slaves. That's what, that's what happened back then, um, a lot of times. Um, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Not just, okay, I'll let you go make these installments. Make, he canceled the debt. You don't owe me anything. You can go on as life. You don't even owe me a dime. You can take that million dollars and, and just spend it on whatever you have or, or anything you've bought with that, anything you've invested, that's yours to keep because I've canceled the debt. Um, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is right around, they say, like a hundred dollars or something similar to that. Um, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each and one of, one of you, and I'm pointing at you, this is pointing at you, this is pointing at me, right? This is how I will treat each and every one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. That's pretty strong words. 
That's really strong words. He turns him over to jailers, not to be jailed and work, but to be tortured. Well, if you're being, I mean, you're being tortured until you pay back, you, owe, you, don't, you, you don't pay back what you owe by being tortured. At least that's not the way I want to pay that back. Um, so God very, feels very, very strongly about this subject. Um, you know, I just want to take this time right now to pray. God, just thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. Lord, guide and direct all, everything that goes on in this service, Lord. God, let not one word be spoken that's not supposed to be. Let every word be spoken that is supposed to be, God. Let it fall on fertile soil today, Lord. And Lord, out of all this, Lord, that you would be glorified. And Lord, you'd be glorified in our lives and all the lives around us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to look at, um, that, that story was just a big deal to me because I, I think of things the way people wronged me. Um, I've had money stolen. I've had um, things taken from me. I've had people um, lie about me at work. And, and it, it's, it's frustrating. I've had people cut me off in traffic and I miss the light, and, which is silly, right, in the end of the day. Um, but at the time, it doesn't always seem that silly to me. And, and I think about, and I'm, I don't even have the right to be angry. When, when I read this story, the, the little debt that most people have owed me is nothing compared to what I have done. I have cut people off. I know you're all looking at me right now like, really? I, I have, I have um, I'm not really a thief, but I have done some things in my past that I should not have done. I have gotten money in ways um, from, in, in things. I have done things to many years ago, because God's dealt with me on it, but evade taxes on things I should have paid. Um, I've had people sell me, again, years ago, sell me cars. Hey, I'll write in a lower number, so I don't have to pay that sales tax. Well, that's not what the Bible says to do. Um, so in those ways, I'm stealing from the government, right? So it's, I'm not actually breaking somebody's home, because um, I'm too afraid of getting shot. Um, <laughs> but, but, I, but in ways, I have stolen. I have uh, slacked off when I should have been working. That's stealing from my boss, right? No, I'm not physically taking things, but it, it is stealing. Um, later on, God dealt with me on that. I bought another car years later, and um, the person offered, came out and just offered me to, to write a lower number. And I said, no, thank you. I don't mind paying the tax. And they look at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and, but it's just, just because God's dealt with me. Because God's going to give me that money too, right? He gave me the money to buy the car. He's going to give me the money. I'm not going to ruin his blessing by, not, by trying to cheat, but... Um, I, I'm just, and I just look at the debt that God has paid for me, what he died. He took those sins to the cross. I'm not going to lessen that by holding something simple against somebody else. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. Now this, is start, this, this next couple of verses, I want to start with how God forgives us. This is very, very clear. Um, this may challenge some people's thinking about even salvation, um, and, and people set in salvation, and, and I have salvation, and I'm not trying to, um, if you confess your sins, and you turn things over to God, you are saved. So I'm not trying to challenge anybody's salvation here, but I want you to really consider this, and I'm not going to go into that very much today, but maybe this is something you need to talk to pastor about. Maybe this is something you need to dive into, um, into the scriptures about. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Chapter 15. Okay, this is in Matthew. Okay, so this is, <laughs> this is the, the word of God in the New Testament. But if you do not forgive men, 
their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is, this is a heavy scripture. This is a big blow. That means that if I hold something against somebody, especially knowingly, and again, I'm not going to go into that too far. I just want, but this is, this is a big deal to God. In the least, this is a huge deal to God. Um, Matthew 7, verse 2. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. That's, that's a pretty big deal. So if you hold something against somebody, it's going to be measured to you. And that is not a comforting thing. Um, I've made, again, I bring back traffic a lot because I commute a lot. But I'll have somebody cut me off. And if, and if I am holding it to them and wanting to rip them out of their car or, or those kinds of things, I hold anger against them or in, in any way you can relate this to your life. Now, and then a little while later, you do something accidentally even. Oh, I don't want to be under that kind of judgment from God now because I'm judging somebody else's. Well, God's going to judge me that way. Well, that's a much bigger deal. Um, so I, I want to think about how I'm dealing with other people because God's going to deal with me that way to that degree. Well, I want God's forgiveness. I need God's grace on a daily basis, <laughs> every single minute, every single day. And so I, I just really, really think about it. When you're, when you're angry at somebody, when somebody, especially if they make an honest mistake, but even if they don't, because we've all made dishonest mistakes too, right? We've probably all turned honest mistakes into dishonest mistakes by saying, no, I didn't, or trying to cover things up. I want grace given. Um, Luke 6.37. It says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Again, this kind of refers to the last thing of if you're not forgiving, you're not being forgiven. Because if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Well, this wants me to be changed into it. Also, God is forgiving. So if we want to be more like him, then we'll be more forgiving. And we'll give more grace. We'll, we'll learn to work with people. So 2 Corinthians 2.5, this is another aspect of why we need to forgive. And this is something I had actually never really thought about before. I haven't heard this before. For doing the study. 2 Corinthians 2.5 If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you. Because this is Paul writing a letter. To some extent, not to put it too severely, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient because they cause him grief. Now instead of causing um, punishment on him, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. This is somebody that has done wrong and is, and is repentive. And, and by talking to him, you need to forgive him, not condemn. We don't, we don't condemn people. That is not what we're here. Jesus did not even condemn people. You're supposed to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. This doesn't mean we lessen sin, but this does mean that it's now in the past. You're still here. You're part of our family. Come on, let's, let's you're supposed to exhort and build up and bring it without lessening the sin. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would, un would stand the testing and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Now, this, all this was written up for this point. 
in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. This is a whole chapter, or several verses in this chapter, about one of Satan's schemes. We're not, we're not unaware of his schemes. One of his schemes is offense. He, people make mistakes. He trips people up, a lot of times unknowingly to them, and he wants us to take offense. He puts words in our mind. He tries to get them in our heart, which we have to allow, so that when people do make a mistake, we pick up offense. That is a huge, huge one of his schemes, and, and he tries to outwit us, and he is very, very smart. A lot of people think we're smart. I think there are very many people in this room that are very smart. I know for a fact. But he is very witty. He is trying to outwit us. And he does, one of his biggest schemes is offense. And it states it right here, his scheme, right, in the Bible. Um, the other thing offense does a lot of times is people put it down deep in them and they hide it. And they, they act like they're not offended when truly they are instead of dealing with this offense. Not that you have to deal with it all publicly, but you need to release things to God. I want to uh, look at Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Um, every effort to live in peace, that was a specific thing of being holy. So it says, and to be holy. But they wanted, in this particular scripture, they wanted to point out this one thing. We're supposed to be living at peace with each other. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Again, it, it talks about living in peace. And not seeing the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Well, it talks about the grace of God. It talks about grace is God's unmerited forgiveness, correct? As one part of it. There are actually many parts to God's amazing grace, but one of his unmerited forgiveness. Well, God's saying if you don't forgive others, he's not giving you, and you'll miss the grace. It says here you can miss the grace that God has for you. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile. Well, how do roots start? There's no big root that starts. It starts as a very small root. And where do the roots grow? Where do they start out growing? Underground. And then, unknowingly, you don't see them getting bigger until they break through the ground or push up a sidewalk. I've seen branches not very big break sidewalks. There's branches this big at my work that broke through four and a half inches of concrete. That's reinforced concrete. I've seen them break foundations on houses. And the roots started out as small as a hair. Some just a little bit bigger than hairs, how they start out and they grow. So it's saying, don't miss out on the grace of God, don't, and that no bitter root grows to cause trouble and defile many. So that means a bitter root that any one of us in here lets grow in a family can grow up to defile many. So let's, let's get rid of those roots. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 10.30. Now this is, this is starting to deal with um, what happens when somebody offends us. And this is can be outside the family. It can be inside the family. God is going to deal with them. It was never our job to deal with um, offense. Um, Now, sometimes leaders are put in that position where they need to follow the the biblical example. Again, the subject is huge, Um, but but that is that was never put on us. It says in Hebrews ten thirty, for we know him who said, "It is mine to avenge; I will repay." And again, I'm not saying and again. This says it in the word. And again, the Lord will judge his people. I, I am not, and nobody in here is supposed to be judge, jury, executioner for God's people. Um, we do judge what's right and wrong. That's not what this is talking about here. Um, and we do, there are things set up for when things go wrong. But God is the one that repays. He's the one that judges people. We can't judge people's heart. We have no idea what's going on there. A lot of times we think we know. 
Because <laughs> we might know what was going on in our heart when we've done it before or uh, based on previous things that have happened in our life, previous situations, previous hurts that maybe are still wounds from many, many years ago. But we, we can't judge those things. Um, we have to forgive those things. Now, this doesn't, again, doesn't downplay wrongdoing or sin um, or the necessity to reconcile. But I can forgive somebody before they reconcile with me. Um, God's called me to do that many times when I was wronged. Um, but we can't hold debt against them. They can't, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to withhold myself from this person because, they, because of what they've done to me, because of this debt. We need to forgive them. You can be right and be dead wrong. Um, that has to do with submission to authority. Um, that has to do with um, forgiveness. I'm not, I'm not saying that these wrongs aren't real. I'm not saying that offense isn't real. I'm just saying the way we deal with it needs to be the right way from God. And, and being wronged and picking up offense are two different things. We don't have to pick up that offense when we're wronged. We can choose to forgive them from day one. Um, so horrible, horrible things have happened, but, and the people have chosen to forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean they don't go to jail. That doesn't mean that they may not be removed from positions or even that they might owe you money. But your forgiveness um, really lays out that you're not holding that against them. You kind of you pass that on to the law or to, to the, the people that are supposed to be dealing with that and not taking it upon yourself. Um, God's actually told me in a situation a long time ago, there was a person spreading lies about me in the church, not this church. <laughs> um, and, and I didn't... I didn't know why, those kinds of things. And God told me to go apologize to that person. And I said, well, I didn't, I didn't do any of those things. I've never done anything wrong to this person. Um, and, and, but God told me, I need to go apologize to that person. And I went and I apologized to that person. And it wasn't an um, arms open welcome to me apologizing. They were still criticizing me. But, but God told me to do that, and the things kind of went away after that point, even though that wasn't what was seemingly happening at the time. But that's how much God wants your heart open to, to forgiveness and apologizing and making things right it, as much as it's up to you. He might have you go apologize to the person that outright hurt you for no apparent reason. Um, and that's just obedience. Um, I want to, on that note, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, Brawling and slander. That's, that's a pretty big list right there. If you get rid of bitterness, things have happened from the past, right? Bitterness isn't something that just happens. Bitterness is from the past. Rage. Rage can be something that happens. It can be something, or it can be something building, for sure. Anger. Brawling and slatter, slander. So no brawling, no fighting, no I'm going to get them back, no I'll one-up them. None of that. No brawling, no no you know, getting up in each other's face, either figuratively or physically. And no slander. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Get rid of it. When it's really gone, you won't feel the need to talk about those things. Along with every form of malice. That means that anything that's just not good. If you get rid of those things, which is something I believe you have to do every single day, you have to work on, you have to make sure those stay gone, um, that, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> you can't do it without... Spending time with the Holy Spirit every day. Because things come up to offend you. People at work. People, sometimes in your own house. Things are said. Things are done. 
things are not done correctly. Sometimes somebody might break something of yours in your house or do something or say something or who knows, in a marriage, things can, you know, somebody spends money they're not supposed to and all those things. Not that we don't deal with them, but we don't deal with them out of bitterness, meaning compounding something that happened in the past that was supposedly forgiven and you thought you forgot. It brings it up to the surface, so now you have double rage on something that you shouldn't. Uh, and that can happen. And that, that for sure, if you're not, if you're not on top of things, um, anger, brawling, slander, that means you don't go tell all your friends what's going on in your marriage when things aren't correctly um, that doesn't mean you don't go get godly advice, because that can be okay, but, but doing it to slander is not, is not correct. Um, on top of that, if that wasn't a tall tale, <laughs> be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ forgave you. So some people say, well, I'll never forgive them unless, or I just will never forgive them. It's too big of a thing. I know people that have, um, uh, I, I personally know somebody who um, had they're three-week-old shaken. There's a shaken baby syndrome, if you know about that. Um, that guy works at my work. I had to do his baby. And he says, and he goes to church, and he says, I'll never forgive them. I'll never forgive them. And I've seen their son. I've seen all the stuff he's going through, and it is terrible and heartbreaking. Um, but was anybody alive when, when Jesus died on the cross? Any hands? Bill's not here. Okay, so. <laughs> no, no, kidding, kidding. Um, I love Bill. But um, he, he's in Canada, okay. He, clearly, he forgave everybody before we were born, right? Probably a couple thousand years before anybody was born. God forgave me before I sinned, before I asked for, for, for forgiveness, before I turned from my sin. He forgave me for the sin I was doing in the middle of it. That didn't make my sin right. It was still my choice to do those sins, but he had already died on the cross for me. He had already forgiven me. So, Somebody not asking for forgiveness shouldn't stop us from forgiving them. Somebody that's not willing to make something right and they don't care and they're even flaunting it in our face and everybody else's face should not stop us from forgiving them. Um, I've already made it up in my mind to forgive people <laughs> so that when I am offended, that decision's already made. When you make decisions before things happen, you react differently th- to them. When I'm in line in traffic these days, again, I'll go back to traffic. I've already chosen to forgive the person if they cut me off. I don't like it. I'm not going to honk my horn. Um, I never was into gestures because that didn't get me anywhere, but I'm not going to get out of my car. Um, I've already chosen not to do those things. (laughs) Um, And so then when I get into the situation, I've already made the decision. Um, I made a decision several years ago to be faithful to my wife. I didn't wait till I got in a situation with somebody else that might turn out wrong before I made that decision. And, and then try to make that decision then and there. I made that decision ahead of that time so I never get myself in the situation. Because I don't want to be in a situation where I'm wondering if I'm making the right decision or not. So just stay far away from it. Um, then there's steps I take to keep that from happening. So the same can happen for offense. I've chosen not to be offended. And I've had opportunity to be offended. And if you are in a family, you will have an opportunity to be offended, I guarantee you, with probably every single member in your family at some point in your life. If people are nodding their heads, people are laughing, because it's true. You have the choice to be not offended. <laughs> my dad's back there going, what? <laughs> I guarantee you my dad's had an opportunity to be offended with something I did or said, or a situation that I handled, maybe that didn't even resolve with him, but maybe another family member that he saw that I did not handle correctly. Or... The way he saw it looked like I handled it incorrectly, 
Um, a lot of times, we don't have all the information either. So things look like that. And, and somebody else can be offended that had nothing to do with the situation because they either heard one side of the story or they heard half of one side of the story or they heard three-quarters of the story. Or maybe it's true. Maybe they have good reason to be offended. Um, I've seen gifts given to people in family and the person not take care of the gift, not my personal family, a different family, and, and then be offended because they really liked what they give them. They gave from their heart, and the people didn't care or seemingly didn't care. And maybe they don't know all the situation, but I've seen people get offended over that. I've just, there, there's so many examples. We could spend the rest of our time here hearing stories of why people got offended incorrectly. And I wouldn't even begin to get into the stories of why people got offended for real reasons. Forgive others just as in Christ forgave you. What does it take not to not have the, the, the list we read before, the anger, the malice, and all those sorts of things? It takes patience and self-control. Um, patience and self-control, we're going to find a lot about that in Galatians. Chapter 5, 22 and 23, actually through 24. So let's read Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. The ones that, we're, that I wanted to focus on today, all of these have to do with what we're talking about, but the ones I wanted to focus on today are patience and self-control. The, the fruits of the Spirit are the essentials of Christian life. They're called fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we were talking about this on, on Saturday morning for the men that were able to be there at the men's breakfast. It was amazing and wonderful. The food was good. Got to watch airplanes take off. Real manly stuff, you know. Um, and we were talking about the fruits. The fruits from the tree are not for the tree. Steve said, I believe you'll see this, said, you've never seen a, an apple tree eat an apple. <laughs> the fruits of the Spirit are for us. <laughs> they were made for us. Yes. I would be very scared if I saw that. Um, but the fruits of the Spirit, they're, they're for us. They're, they're also for us to give out. Fruits are to give out. They're for other people. And fruits, what is the, what is the purpose of fruits in, the, in nature? Fruits plant seed and grow new trees and produce more fruit. So by doing those things, when you don't take up offense and you have um, self-control, then you will be planting fruits in other people. And those fruits will plant seeds in people. And those seeds grow up to be trees, and they grow up for Christ. And that is what they, I mean, that all refers to the fruit. Um, patience. Um, my wife has had a lot of patience with me. You know, uh, my parents had a lot of patience with me, especially when I was younger. Hopefully not using as much patience now, maybe. I don't know, you have to ask them later. But when I was younger, they had to have a lot of patience with me. I did not get things the first time, or the second time, or maybe on from on there. Um, they spent a lot of time in prayer on me. It takes a lot of time to pray for the same things, the same destructive behaviors over and over and over and over again. You think they're, they're done, and they're not done, and they do it again. And instead of kicking them out and saying, I'm done with you, I've given you everything, I've done it all, I've helped you so much, and you don't take advantage of all the things I gave you, you, you know what? They got back on their knees and prayed again. They didn't condone my behavior. They didn't um, enable me, but they forgave me, and they had patience with me. 
and that along with several other people um, praying for me a lot is the reason why I'm here today. There's no question. There's so many times because of my own decisions and situations I put myself in, I should not be standing here. We should be seeing in our lives, I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ, that's not really how God judges you. Um, as far as he, what he judges you are in is where you're at. But we should be increasingly able to control ourselves when angry, when upset, when things go wrong. We, the next time I come into a situation, I don't want to take, I want to be able to be, have more patience and more control, self-control than the last time. That doesn't mean that things are going to go right or things are better, but we act them, we act with them differently. So, um, I don't want to have the same self-control that my two-year-old does right now. That would, that would be a problem. It's not a problem for him. I understand it. But when he's 13, he can't throw himself on the floor because he can't have another apple slice. It's the same thing. My son just threw himself on the floor, my 13-year-old. It's the same thing with Christians. When we get older, we should need to react to things differently. It's about maturity um, and all those things, and it's about experience and, and learning and spending time in the Bible and, and enjoying the fruit of the Spirit, but we need to be increasing. We should be able to see that in the beginning of 2017 versus the 20, uh, 2018 that we were acting differently. We have more self-control. We have more patience with people. We are easier to forgive because we are understanding we are receiving more love from God. And um, I, I see that in many people here, including myself. Uh, I think that being in this church and spending time here under um, our pastoral lead and spending time in the Bible, first of all, and relationship with God, that we get that here. We get the, we get the meat that we need to be able to do this. So I, would, I believe that this church is excelling in this area. And um, I believe that God's very happy with us in this area. Um, and I think that he wants me to tell you guys that you're doing a great job and to keep it up. In this area, we're, we're, we are growing. We are not the same at all. When things happen, we have emotion. God gave us emotion. Everything God gives to us, the enemy tries to twist and deceive and to, to show it wrong. But, you know, anger was actually an emotion given to us by God. There are things that should make us angry. Um, anger in itself is not a sin. Now, sometimes what we get angry about is, is a sin, <laughs> you know? Um, I can get, if something gets broken, I can get upset that something is broken without getting upset at the person that broke it. Like, I don't like things getting broken. Um, if, if somebody scratches your car, hits you, in the end of the day, it's a, it's a piece of metal. <laughs> it's, in, in 20 years from now, it probably will not exist. Um, in five years from now, even if it's a brand new Porsche, whatever, it's, it's not going to probably be even that nice. A lot of times it's going to have miles on it. It's not going to be brand new. So uh, we need to be, obviously understand it's even up, worth getting upset over. <laughs> there's a lot of things. There's a saying, you know, don't get upset over spilled milk, those kinds of things. You know, there's a lot of things we do not need to get upset over. Um, but, but there is times to get upset. Um, but before we go there, I want to go to James 1, 19 through 20. So chapter 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen. That's a whole other subject. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. So when somebody comes at you with a fence, you don't just bleh, you don't just throw up on them. You don't just throw up at the thing at the tip of your tongue. Slow to speak. Think about what you're saying. Think about how that person's going to feel when you say. Is it even productive what you're going to say? Or is it just lashing out? Is it just to cause pain? Is that the only reason why you're speaking? 
think about what you're going to say. It doesn't say you don't speak. It says be slow to speak. And the, the last part of that is slow to become angry. So the short fuse thing isn't part of this. Um, there are things that should make us angry. Um, there's many things in the Bible it talks about. It talks about God being angry. Um, it talks about when wolves come into the flock dressed as sheep. That, we shouldn't be happy about that. We're not just go lucky, oh, ignorance is bliss, ha, 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 when things bad happen, and, you know, those, that's not what it's talking about. There are things that should make us upset. Um, I get upset if the enemy's gaining territory. I get upset about um, the spiritual things that are going on in the state. Um, those, things, those things should be upsetting to you. But we should be slow to angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's verse uh, 20. That's, this is human anger, is what this is talking about. I like how it says it a lot better. Um, the human anger, the anger about, you, you broke my thing. You, I have to, you cut in line. You know, you, you, you took the last of the, the olives out of the dish, and I didn't get any. <laughs> you know, silly things that we're laughing about here, but I've seen people get angry about that stuff. You know? Um, okay, well, you broke that. Now, you might have to repay it, but... but Getting angry about it's not going to fix anything. It's not going to help anything. Um, this is talking about human anger, things that, that aren't godly things to make you angry. Nahum 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. I'm just going to stop right there for right now. Um, God himself is slow to anger. So when we want to be like God, we need to be slow to anger. It doesn't say he doesn't get angry. It doesn't say he's a pacifist. It doesn't say that nothing can affect him. Oh, you know, just sit there and let everybody walk over me. That's, that's, that's not a man in God's, in God's terms. But it does say he's slow to anger, and he's great in power. It's not like he can't do anything about it. It talks about he will not leave the guilty unpunished. So God is slow to anger. He is great in power. There are people that are very slow to anger, but, but you don't want to get him angry. You know who I'm talking about. Um, but that, and that's what it's saying God is. He's slow to anger, but great in power. Well, I don't want to get him angry. And the people that, that are like that um, are showing God's attributes. Uh, Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So it's not saying don't be angry. It's saying be angry without sinning. So that means it, it can happen. It might not happen the first time. I know that I'm sure we've all been angry and sinned. It might not happen every time, but that's what we're supposed to be doing. We can be angry and not sin, especially about the things of God. Um, there's been many people that in God's name have committed horrible, heinous crimes. That's, <laughs> that's not what God wants. That is not God's way. That is not condoned at all um, by anybody who loves God. But it, when you are angry, do not sin. And it says on, in 427, do not give the devil a foothold. And it goes on from, on from there about not doing the things. Um, but being angry and sinning can give the Satan a foothold. For one, it really diminishes any authority you had. When, somebody gets, when, when your boss or your parent or anybody just blows up and, and it wasn't even that big of a deal, and they're sinning in their anger, 
you don't care anymore, typically. That's the way I feel. I'm like, <laughs> whatever, this guy is just out of control. Even if they had a good point. Even if what they had was legitimate about, once you've lost your anger, you've lost your authority, and you've lost the control over the situation. And really, one of the big things is, is that we're not showing Christ's love when we are angry. That is not what God um, shows for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. And I know I'm kind of saying the same thing. I'm just showing you how many times it is in the Bible to be this, the, how, how important this is. God didn't spend this much time in the Bible on it if it wasn't such a big deal to him. Yeah, 13.5. This is talking about love. This is the love chapter. Um, and, and we all receive so much love from God, and God loves us so much. Um, we can't say that we blow up or, or anything or react a certain way out of love, because that is not love. It says 13.5 here, it's speaking about love, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not in- easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. I don't have a record of wrongs about my wife written down somewhere. She doesn't keep a record of wrongs of me. Something might come up here and there, but as far as a record of wrongs, there, there's no record there, because we love each other. Because we love each other, even if something does pop into my head, I'm not going to bring it up, because that's not what love does clearly says right here. It keeps no record of wrongs. Um, and eventually, I really do forget them. I choose to forget them. This is not a pass for anybody that's done the wrongs, um, but this is, this is called love. Um, we're supposed to be helping and promoting God's love. It is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs. That's the true definition of, of love. So, but God even takes it another step further. And this was um, something that, that God wanted me to share here. Um, not only are we not supposed to be easily angered, it says here in Proverbs 22, chapter 22, 24 through 25, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. That's pretty strong words. Not only are you not supposed to be one, you're not supposed to associate with one. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. So God is referring to somebody that's easily angered as um, something to be ensnared in, clearly. It's something you get caught up in. It's something you get wrapped up in. It's something you could think of as a normal way of life. Where if somebody offends you, you just take it out right now 100%. Excuse me, 100% boom, I'm going to take it to them. They, if they did something to me, I have a right to be angry. And I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to show them. And I'm going to teach them, in fact, so they won't do it to somebody else. That's why a lot of the mind thinking is in some of these people, uh, some people that are hot-headed, from what I've read. But, but you don't want to learn that kind of mindset. You don't want to learn that kind of thinking. And when you are around a person, you, you see you start take, picking up some of their, their, the things that they do. You might start saying some of the sayings. You might start um, thinking some things are funny. You might, start, um, and you might start reacting the way that they react. So God says don't even associate with them with somebody that's like this. Now, this doesn't mean that you pass them up, when, you know, in prayer line or those kinds of things. This, what this means is if you take them to coffee, it's a mentorship type of thing. You're going there for a purpose. You're not, you're not, you're not doing it for, uh, to hang out with your buddies. It's just a, a relaxed thing. You have to have your guard up, and you need to come in there with a purpose of, I am going to show them Jesus. This is like a, an evangelist. They're not talking about not evangelizing these type of people. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not, you don't bring them in to show them another way. But when it says don't associate with them, it means you don't, they're not going to be in positions of authority in a church. Um, you don't want them to have this influence to pass down to other people. 
it means that um, you're not going to, I don't know how to exactly explain this, but you, you guys, I think, understand what association with somebody, you know, you're not, it's not your best friend. It's not, not those type of things. That doesn't mean God can't turn them from that. And when they do, of course, that's, that's a different story. We've all been turned from things that, that God does not delight in. Um, when it says overlooking offense in the Bible, it's not, does not negate justice. This isn't, um, it, it can in some ways, um, if, if something, they break something, you don't have, you know, making them pay, but if people have committed crimes, that's not what this is talking about. Um, pastor talk, told a story about a, a guy who came to a pastor, was it, maybe it was Pastor Nathan, I'm sorry, a pastor came here and preached, and he talked about somebody that, um, admitted to a pastor that he had killed somebody several years ago. And the pastor said, I will pray with you, and, and all that. And he prayed with them, but he said, but you need to go turn yourself in. And he did. So I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about here. It's not let you overlook everything that you walk away again like, like nothing ever happened. We don't turn a blind eye to justice or crime or sin. Um, but we're always willing to forgive them. Ahead of time, we're, we're expressing forgiveness. We refuse 100% to hold a grudge. We will not hold a grudge. Um, everybody can think, everybody has things that they like, everybody has things that, things that hold dear to them, loved ones, everything. No matter what happens, we have to have the mindset, we will not hold a grudge. Uh, Matthew 6, 12. I'm just bringing us back to the point. This is, this is the, the example of the Lord's prayer. I'm sorry, this is an example when, when, when Jesus t- talked about uh, about how to pray and when we're praying. Matthew six twelve, it, it's, it talks about here, we all, most of us know the prayer. This is how you should pray. This is an outline for a prayer. Uh, not something we should chant or anything like that. Um, but on 12 it says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgive our debtors. Um, and some version it says trespassers. We're asking God to forgive us as we forgive others. That's what this is saying. We're not, we're not God, forgive me of all my wrongdoing. That's a great prayer. But the example prayer Forgive us as we forgive others. I'm only asking God to forgive me as much as I forgive others? Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty tall order. God, I'm not asking you to forgive all my sins. I'm not asking you for, to forgive me for just what I did the other day. I'm only asking you to forgive me as much as I forgive you, as much as I forgive you, and, oh, God, forgive me more than I forgave that person over there. <laughs> you know? No. The example that God gives us is only to ask to forgive others as we have I'm sorry, forgive us as we have forgiven others. I mean, it's just, it's huge. It's mind-blowing when I really sat down and thought about that. I've, I've, I've memorized the Lord's Prayer when I was a young child. I've read it many, many times. And yes, I know I need to forgive others as much, but I'm not even asking God to forgive me more than I've forgiven others. You know what the reality is? I don't have that capacity. I can't do that. I really can't. There's, I don't even know how. I had to go to God and say, God, show me how. Because I don't have that capacity um, in me. I can forgive others, but that's, that, that's huge. And if you don't feel that others need to for, um, you need to forgive others more, or that yourself doesn't need to be forgiven, and, and clearly it says this all over the Bible. I just wanted to throw this one verse in there. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let's... let's Again, there's, there's so many verses, and I really had to cut it down, and I honestly didn't think I'd be talking this long, but um, let's just do a couple more verses real quick. Um, Matthew 
5, 23, and 24. Chapter 5, 23, and 24. Now, this is about communion. I'm sorry, bringing gifts to God. This is amazing to me. Just, just amazing. Therefore, if you, have, if you are offering your gift at the altar, that's up here, and, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift in the front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Pastor had me preach this after offering time, um, but no, no, I'm kidding. But it's so, such a big deal that, that God's standing up here saying, because the gifts are for God, and, and let's say Bill wants to give $10,000. The church can use it. Um, God loves gifts. God gave that to him just so he could give him a place in his heart. But when he caught up here, the Holy Spirit reminded him that somebody had something against him. Not that he had something against somebody else even, because of course we need to deal with that. But somebody had something against him. It's such a big deal to God that God says, I appreciate your gift. Thank you. But before I accept it, I need you to go take care of the situation. Before you can even give him a gift. Before you can give your gift to God. You have to go take care of these situations. And it was something that somebody had against you. Maybe illegitimate. Maybe, maybe you just found out about it. Maybe you're like, I didn't even do that. I wasn't there. Go, take, go, go to your brother. Go take care of it. Hey, pastor, you know, I, I, I heard that, you know, I, I kind of got this feeling that maybe something's wrong. Did I say something to offend you last week? Because your reaction to me wasn't what I was meaning. Well, you said this. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. What I meant to say was this. Or that wasn't what in my heart. I'm really sorry. Or you know what? I did say that, and I'm sorry. I, I was wrong. My, my, I had, this happened this morning, or I, I, had a bad, I had to apologize to God for that, and now I have dealt with it, and I wanted to apologize to you because, because what I did was wrong. What I said was wrong. My heart was not in the right place. Those, all those things can happen. Now, if you come to somebody with that kind of heart, and you're willing to, to apologize and be honest with them, um, and you could even say, you know, I said that because you offended me in this way. And you guys work things out with a genuine heart, coming to them, doing whatever it needs to do, not lying, not pretending, not, well, I, I, I'll say this just to smooth things over because I have to, but with a genuine heart, I don't know anybody in this room, and I know most people in this room really well, that would not take that genuinely, and it would be gone at that time. Go to them, hey, I owe you an apology. I did not handle that situation well. You don't even have to go into details a lot of times. I had to do that to somebody at my work a couple, a couple weeks ago. They were talking not nice to somebody else at my work, and I told them that they were lazy, and they should have done it themselves, and it was true. And they got upset, and I walked away, because I can. And I, the Holy Spirit dealt with me. And I turned around my back to him, and I went to the gentleman and uh, in front of the people that I said that stuff to him, and I said, I'm sorry, I owe you an apology. I did not handle that correctly. And he was very upset, and he turned around, and he held out his hand. He said, neither did I. And it was done. And since then, it's been nice at work, good morning, everything else. It was that easy. And as far as I know, this man is not a Christian. But it's things like that, not that we're perfect, but that we can take that step to man up and, and maybe what I said was true. All right, but I did not handle it correctly. So I was 
in one in my own mind, right? I can justify it. I was right. It was real. Um, and I was sticking up for somebody else there that was doing their job. But I didn't handle that correctly. That's not the way to handle things. Let's go to John. Uh, actually, I'm just going to say it. Just in John 13, 34, Jesus loved one another as Jesus loves you. And we're supposed to love uh, uh, others as Jesus has loved us. He died for us. He went to the cross. He literally died for us. I don't know if I could love anybody else that much. Not without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and in closing, I want to go to, this is, and the Holy Spirit led me to this, so I just want to close real quickly in James one twenty-two. And I've read this before, but it never stuck out to me like it did. The Holy Spirit just gave me this verse. It, it wasn't, I didn't know what it was. I just wrote it down. I actually went um, about a week and a half later and looked it up. James one twenty-two. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. We can listen to this and say, yeah, I'm good. Monday morning, I'm the same. Tuesday morning, I'm the same. Back to next Sunday, listen to pastor's word, I'm the same. I adjust a little bit here and there. I'm a good person. I tithe. Yeah, forgiven them, maybe. But if you don't examine yourself, you don't really know. When you come give your gift to God, think about what's going on. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. If you guys noticed this morning, and God gave me all this, I don't have, I can't take any um, uh, credit for any of this. I re- mostly read scriptures. It's very, very clear. I mostly just read scriptures in context to make this point. The, the next verse says, anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like one who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So if, if God has brought up to your mind anything that's not forgiveness, what this means is looking at yourself in the mirror means, means reflecting on yourself. If there is anything, God, God has shown me a mirror before of myself in, in, um, in my mind's eye, and I saw my face, but there were splotches. Uh, there were ugly spots. I know it's hard for some of you to believe, but there, there were ugly spots um, that needed to be fixed. And I don't want to look in that mirror and not realize those things need to be gone. And what God wants to do today is, is anybody that's not forgiven completely, 100% free, when they walk in this room. There was, there was a time when somebody owed me money, and it bothered me. And this was a little while ago, it was $100. And God dealt with me on that and said, you need to give that to them. Now, I didn't talk to him. I haven't talked to him since. But in my mind, I gave them that $100. And in the fact that I forgave them so much that I told God that if they came up to me with the money, I would tell them, you don't owe that to me. I want you to have that. I would, not, I would refuse the money. This is the way we need to forgive people. And in this individual situation, I'm not saying that everybody should not take anybody money from what people owe them. That's not what I'm, what I'm doing here. And the money was taken from me and not a way that I wanted to give it. But... But what I'm saying is we need to forgive people that much to where they have you, they do not owe you a debt. You need to release them. So I would, uh, I just would like everybody to, to pray right now. Scott, can you turn that music up a little bit, please? And I just want you to think, I just want to take a couple minutes. Uh, I know we don't have much time. I just want everybody to think if there's any, any debt at all um, to, to release them today. If you're having trouble releasing them, um, and God's brought something to your mind right now as you're, as you're looking at your face in your mirror. If there's any ugly specks because of things that, that shouldn't be there, 
because of sin debts of people owe you, or if something you've done something to somebody else, and you need forgiveness, maybe you need to even go to that person. If um, if you can release them right now, I just would pray that you would release them. I would ask you to release them. Pray God to help you. If you feel you can't or you need help with that, I would like for you to come up front, and we will have people pray for you. Or if somebody's done something to you, you've done something to somebody else, and you don't know how you should deal with the situation, I believe that God's going to give godly advice to you right now. Not man advice, but godly advice on what situation to deal with. Um, Vivian, if I can have you and Bill come up here. And pastors, if I can have you come up here. Um, I know that these people work in the prophetic, and I believe that God's going to speak to you directly through, through these two teams right now on how to deal with the situation of somebody that owes you something or something you owe somebody else, whether to make it right or how to and those kinds of things. If anybody has any question of something that God's brought to your mind right now, I believe that God's going to speak through these people right now on what to do, specific directions if you're having any problems. If anybody else, I just, I'm going to pray here in closing, and I would just pray that everybody release everything. Um, I would also like to ask that you would spread this word. Spread this. And when a situation comes up, spread the fruit. God, just thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for your words written in your Bible, Lord. Thank you for bringing them out in context to us directly, God. God, deal with each one of us, Lord, with your mercy and your grace, Lord, and your love, Lord. No condemnation. But Lord, if the Holy Spirit convicts us, Lord, that we would answer that call, we would stand up as strong people of God right now, Lord, and we would release those debts. We would give this away, Lord. And if we don't know how, and we need help with that, Lord, that we would also stand up in extreme bravery is what it would take to step forward right now. Lord, just thank you for this, God. Thank you that you're always willing to forgive us, Lord. God, forgive us to the extent that we forgive others. And show us how to do that, God. Show us how to forgive others so well that we walk blamelessly in that area, God, at all times, Lord. Protect us throughout this week, Lord. Protect us from the fiery arrows. God, I ask that you protect us uh, from the enemy trying to steal these words from our heart or change them or trying to make them into something that's not as strong as they are to try to lessen them, God. But, Lord, that we accept the power of, this, of the message that you have in your Bible about this subject, God. In Jesus' name, amen.